Welcome, dear travelers, to another week of stories, of candlelight we bathe in together, of shadows and whispers that won't let you sleep. Welcome to another episode of Spectral Sojourns. This week, my dear travelers, I ask you rest your weary heads and put up your feet. Tuck in real tight. Today I'm going to tell you about a darkness that came to visit and never really left. I was getting ready for work in the washroom and I heard my partner get out of bed and walk up to the bathroom door, then tap their fingers against it. I was smiling as I told them to hold on one moment and I opened the door to no one. What was most curious was that I didn't feel a presence of a thing at all. I even went all the way to the bedroom and checked in, and they were sleeping. The door hadn't been opened by anyone other than me. A few days down the road, we were going on a date, and so I was getting ready in the washroom again, when I hear my partner talking in the bedroom. There's snickering, and it sounds very much like an extended conversation, so I thought they were on the phone. I sauntered over to the bedroom to see them picking out clothes on the bed. Babe, who are you talking to? I asked. They turned to look at me, brows furrowed utter confusion. You, you were just in the living room. We were talking about the menu. I shook my head and said that I'd been in the bathroom this entire time. My partner and I both shared expressions twisted in horror, cleared our throats, and went about our evening as if nothing had happened. I still get the taps on the bathroom door, and some nights I see someone looking in on us from just outside the bedroom. As long as it keeps its distance, there's plenty of room for us all. But it's important to remember to make those boundaries very clear. Once they are crossed, the gloves come off. And we are all here, dear travelers, to measure gloves, thickness, and grip to see how far we are willing to go to face the dark before we turn on the lights. And in this, my dear travelers, I am your humble host and guide, Morgan. Let my voice be your sanctuary as we prepare to hear from Paolo on this week's episode, The Obsession. Brace yourselves, dear travelers. Your descent into darkness begins now. My name is Paolo, and this is my story. I was, I think, 22 when I moved out with some of my buddies. It was three of us in this one-story house. It had a basement, but looking at it from the outside, it definitely looked like a 70s ranch special, just smaller. One buddy was in the basement, and then myself and the other were in the two bedrooms on the main floor. We'd gotten this for dirt cheap. I mean, $6.50 a month with all utilities for the whole damn place, front and backyard included. It was our house, 
entirely our house, and we were so ready to go into the best years of our lives. By the time things started to feel out of place, we'd already been living there for a year. We were fully settled, secondhand leather couch and beer cooler too. It was winter, and I woke up one morning and I was making some breakfast when Patrick came out of his room and started working on the coffee. I was telling Patrick about this girl I'd met and how excited I was to take her out when Adam stumbles up the stairs and comes into the kitchen with the angriest look on his face. His voice was shaking as he reminded us he had an interview that day and he'd been up all night because we were messing around and partying it up. Patrick and I looked at each other and then at Adam and we both very much denied his claims. I had worked a double and gone straight to bed, and Patrick was most likely passed out on the couch by 8pm. We hadn't done anything, and we tried to assure him of that. Adam said he'd heard the kitchen counters open and slam closed all night, footsteps running up and down the hallway, and again... We said it wasn't us. We argued back and forth for some time until we made him understand we hadn't been messing with him last night. And when that information seeped in, I could see confusion come over his face. Then, who the fuck was it? He asked, and honestly, I didn't have an answer. We kind of left it at that because neither Patrick or I knew what to say. A few nights later, I woke up in the middle of the night with no reason why. I didn't have to pee. I wasn't cold. I wasn't hot. I didn't have a nightmare. There was no reason for me to be awake. I looked down and I realized my bedroom door was open. Not all the way, but enough for me to notice and enough for me to see into the hallway. It was an all-black, empty hallway. I could see it. I could visually confirm this. But I felt something was standing there watching me. That's when I realized that the hallway was too black. Like it was being obscured by something so I sat up in bed to turn on my light. But before I could do that, I heard my door click closed. I could have fallen asleep before then, but certainly not after. At signs of first light, what I did was sit up to look at my door. There was a mark, a sort of smear on the door, on my side of the door, I mean as in the door wasn't closed from the outside. Whoever closed my door was in my room all night. I got out of bed and slowly approached the door. It looked like dirt or mud caked on as if someone had pressed a pile onto the door and then smeared it to the side. And to be honest, it smelled like shit. Patrick was already at work, but I walked up to the basement door and asked Adam to come up and check it out. I remember he looked at it from a bit of a distance, gave a few cautious sniffs, 
nodded in agreement that it smelled like shit, and then asked me who I've been bringing into the house. I scraped the dirt off and bleached the door. It was disgusting. Who could have possibly been in my room in the middle of the night to leave this mark on my door in some sort of whatever it was? And then it just continued on from there, as if the mark was an introduction. But it all went on in a more average direction, I guess. Small things went missing around the house. Patrick's cologne disappeared from the bathroom cabinet, and I found it in one of my clothing drawers. The right shoe of my sneaker pair turned up in the undersink cabinet in our bathroom. Our keys repeatedly showing up in the fridge or freezer. That was the most common one. And it always happened when you're already running late. And it took all of us an embarrassingly long time to remember that if the keys were missing, we ought to check the fridge or freezer, no other place. We also started to notice cold spots in the house. It was winter, and this was a noticeably worn down home. So all we did was turn up the heat, lay down blankets and towels at the base of doors and windows, the usual things that we could maybe do to keep some of that heat inside and prevent the cold spots from happening. It didn't work, but we did have the excuse of the season. The cold spots persisted well into the early summer, and when temperatures inside and outside were at a good 65 degrees, and I'd walk into my room and I could see my breath, what was I supposed to do? I turned the heat on. We had the damn heat on in the middle of summer. I remember one evening, I think we'd been there for almost three years. I'd been dating Amy for a year of that and she was with me at home. She was in my room and I was in the kitchen making us a snack. And where I was in the kitchen, I could see both the main hallway behind me and to my side and also the living room behind me and to my other side. From the corner of my eye, I see what looks like Amy walking down the hallway and then taking a seat in the living room on the couch. I'd turned to ask her something about her plate, and I saw her there, her back a bit to me as she looked at the TV. And then Amy answered, From my room down the hall. My head turned over to that direction because I'd heard her voice, and the cogs started turning. If Amy was still in my room, who was behind me on the couch? So I slowly turned and looked, and there was no one there. But there was a depression left in the couch seat, as if someone had been sitting there. It didn't seem to like Amy coming over. It wanted our attention, or maybe I'm speculating, I don't know. It got to the point where I could hear it talking in Amy's voice from random places in the house. Especially when she was at her own place. The guys heard it too, it wasn't just me that was going through this. They joked about it, we all did, to kind of cope with the situation. 
Patrick would say we have no right to complain about having a gorgeous woman in our house, even when she wasn't here yet. Adam and I had the most trouble with it. Patrick got to cruise through. Next time we had smears, they were on the freaking ceiling of the house we were renting. I never want to try to clean popcorn ceiling again, and I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. It was damn near impossible. Amy could see the toll this all took on me, and Amy was a lot more spiritual than I was. She still is. So it was around the two-year mark of us dating that we decided we would move in together and leave the house to the boys. We moved into a little apartment, just the two of us. It wasn't too far from the house because I didn't want to be without my lifelong friends. But it also had the added benefit of being a short drive from both of our works. I was grateful to be out of the house. It was bittersweet for sure, but I felt this pressure coming off of me when I got in my car with the last of my stuff and drove off to the apartment. I could breathe again. It was very liberating. Plus, I had the absolute joy of moving in with the love of my life. I honestly don't know where I would be today without Amy. She's my guiding light. Which is why it pains me to say that we only lived well together for close to a year before the fighting started. It started with small jabs. Small things we would say to purposefully hurt the other, and I couldn't stop myself. The words would come out of my mouth as if my mouth wasn't my own. And after anything I'd say, I would feel so much regret at not being able to stop myself. This would happen every few days, and by the time a month had gone by, I was sleeping on the couch. I don't know how we hadn't broken up. One night, I was sleeping on the couch when I felt someone brush their fingers through my hair. Gentle strokes until I woke up. And when I did, the same hand touched my cheek. It was cold. It smelled like dirt and shit. I didn't open my eyes. I was terrified. A few weeks later, if that, we'd had another fight, and Amy packed a bag to go to her girlfriend's place. So I was all alone. I'd ordered some takeout and was sitting on the couch to play video games with my friends. At some point, Patrick complains that I'm sounding really far away, that there's some static and I'm cutting out. So I said, okay, maybe my Wi-Fi is acting up, so I'll take a short break and grab a drink and maybe it'll work out. I go to the bathroom and then make myself a drink and come back to the couch. I put my headset on and let the guys know that I'm back and nobody says anything. I confirm with the screen that we are all online, so I repeat myself. I hear Adam come on and ask me if I've got my phone. I said yes, it was in my pocket. 
Then in a very dire tone, he tells me to call the police because there was someone in my home. I told him my door is locked and if someone had come in while I was in the bathroom, I would have heard it. It was not likely at all. Patrick said he heard someone talk into the headset. He couldn't make out what was said, but it was an angry voice, followed by the sound of something being dragged. I kept quiet, but I was also too scared to get off and be entirely alone, so I made sure to stay up as late as I could. I even bullied Adam into staying up with me, and we were up well into the night, maybe 2-3 a.m. when I said goodnight to him. But I didn't want to. Because in my mind, there are safety in numbers. I took my headset off and was sitting on the couch, too scared to do anything. I didn't turn off the lights. I didn't do anything other than lay down on that couch and pull a blanket up over me. I was so undeniably alone and it was weighing on me. It was heavy and cold until I realized that feeling was happening in reality. Almost as if someone was laying on top of me, I could smell that same smell I had grown accustomed to and feared. It was suffocating. It felt as though with every exhale I made, the weight would press down a little bit deeper against my body and there would be just a little bit less room for me to breathe in. Over and again until I thought I would not be able to breathe again. And when I felt myself panic, I decided to throw off the blanket and sit up as quickly and as aggressively as I could. Into an empty room. There was no one with me. And I was grateful, but also surprised. And I felt like I couldn't stay on the couch anymore, so I headed to the bedroom. But as soon as I got to the door, I heard the cabinets in the kitchen open and close. You've gotta be shitting me, I thought to myself as I headed back to the kitchen, and got there just in time to see Amy's vase of flowers throw itself off and crash in a pile of shards, flowers, and water at my feet. I ran. I booked it for the bedroom, but that door was already open, and I saw Amy sitting on the bed with her back and sighed to me. I backed away and went into the bathroom, where I sat with the door closed and the lights on, waiting until morning. The noises went on all night, dragging, throwing, it sounded like there were footsteps on the ceiling above me, like the door was being knocked on, like there was the worst chaos going on out there. And when I heard Amy's keys in the door first thing in the morning, I came out of the bathroom crying and blubbering like a little boy. I told her everything that happened. I apologized for everything everything that happened and I told her I loved her about half a million times. But more importantly, I told her I thought whatever was in the old house had come with me. 
that I believed it was pulling our strings and making itself quite comfortable in our conflict. Surprisingly, she agreed with me. She said that the apartment had been feeling dark as of late. She said she would bring in a dear friend of hers to bless the house and do a cleansing ceremony. I agreed, even begged her to have it done as soon as possible. I was so tired of our current state of living that even if she told me a clown was coming to do jumping jacks and squirt water around the house, my reaction would be, yes, please, let's go. Quite literally, the next day, this woman comes over. Turns out dear friend meant godmother, but it didn't really matter any. She came in with a bag of assorted things, I suppose, and pulled out a little, like, oil lamp-looking thing, and then some Tupperware of assorted chunks of herbs and resins. She packed the little lamp and lit it so that it would smoke up, and went around doing her little blessings around the house. It smelled sweet, although I had no idea what she was doing. I told Amy if she needed anything to let me know, and I went to work. When I came back, it was like walking into a different place. And when Amy saw me, she hugged me and started crying, saying it was all over. And she was right, you know. For over a good year, it was all over. We hadn't fought once. And then, out of nowhere, two years ago, things blew up in our faces. But it wasn't about me anymore. It was all about Amy. It was a Saturday evening. We had plans to make dinner at home and then go out to see a movie. You know, try to save some money. So I was working on dinner in the kitchen and Amy was getting ready. I hear a door slam. And then I hear Amy screaming. I run down the hallway to check the bedroom. Not it. Check the bathroom door. Locked. I can hear Amy crying inside. I tell her to get away from the door and I ram it a few times, but it doesn't budge. Then there's silence. I can't hear her in there anymore, but I do hear footsteps coming up behind me. I turn to an empty hallway and I get shoved. Nothing ridiculous, just a little shove, enough to make me step back. Then the bathroom door opened. And the most terrifying thing either of us would ever come to experience came to pass. Amy gets dragged out of the bathroom by her hair. Nobody is holding on to her, but still she's being dragged down our hallway, kicking and crying into the living room. I ran after her, and I picked her up in my arms and held her, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I'd never felt that much fear in my life, and I didn't even feel like my body was my own. I'm not some strong dude, but I carried Amy in my arms and I grabbed the keys and ran outside straight into the truck. We drove to Adam and Patrick's, or I drove, rather. In hindsight, I could have gone to her parents, but to me, a place that sounded safe 
a place that sounded like I could run away to right this instant. It was to my friends. Where everything started, yes, hilarious, but it was more about the people that were there, ready for me. They didn't question me showing up there in the middle of the night. Adam gave us his bed and slept on the couch, and they didn't need to know anything. I was barefoot for fuck's sake. Amy was covered in scratches from head to toe, rug burn rash all the way down her back. We mostly cried that night, snuggled up in bed. I think maybe Amy slept a bit, but I, I couldn't. I did tell the guys about it the next morning, and to my surprise, Patrick called up his mom and asked for their pastor's number. Or priest. They're Catholic, and I'm bad at religion, so whatever a Catholic person's called. We didn't go back to the apartment until he told us he could come visit. It took about a week, and luckily there were no events at the house. We went in with the priest, and he went around blessing the place. But that wasn't it. While we were confident and a little more comfortable, Amy booked an appointment with a medium as well. I remember I was so comforted by her when she walked in. She reminded me of my grandma and had that same warm, happy, boisterous energy. Amy and I were sitting in the kitchen with some tea, and we just let her do her thing around the house. Beatrice was her name, if I remember right. She finished her exploration of the apartment and came to us in the kitchen. She stood there for a moment, observing me. She breathed in deeply and pressed her lips together in a tight frown, and she said, It's not the apartment, you know. It's you. I was shocked. I think my mouth was open. I asked her what she meant, and she didn't answer, but slowly approached and sat down beside me. She asked if she could hold my hand, and I said yes, of course. She took my hand in both of hers and closed her eyes. I watched her sit like that for what felt like at least a few minutes, and then she sighed and opened her eyes. She told me this entity grew close to me in a previous place, and from her descriptions, I knew she meant the first house us three moved into. The entity felt like it had some sort of right to me, some sort of claim, and while it was something quite dark, she couldn't feel whether or not it was demonic in essence. Just that it was evil. She described it as something of rot, something of the deep. This entity wanted me completely, and saw Amy as a threat to its claim to me. And that's why, once we moved in together, the attacks, or outbursts, were more targeted towards Amy. I got the occasional things bump in the night or the footsteps, but really, Amy was going through a lot more. More than she even shared with me at the time. I asked the medium what I can do to make it stop, to make it go away. She smiled and patted my hand gently, saying she would put it to sleep, but that we should probably look for a new place to live and take as little as we could from here. 
Amy and I held hands, and I remember we pressed our foreheads together, and for arguably the first time in my life, I prayed. She prayed with me. Beatrice had stood up and gone off into the bedroom by the sounds of it and closed the door, and we prayed and waited. We felt, in real time, the atmosphere change. There was a smell there before we had never identified. There was a slight chill we hadn't recognized. But now there was a brightness to the room, like the morning sun through sheer curtains. Beatrice came out looking older than she did when she walked in, but with a victorious smile on her face. She came and hugged us both saying that the entity shouldn't bother us anymore. She couldn't send it away, as it was so much stronger than she was. But she did sort of make it sleep, make it lay dormant. As Beatrice suggested, we did move out of the apartment. Actually, Amy and I got married and have since bought our own little place. Not a rancher this time. I have had enough of those, but just a regular two-story build. It's a relatively new build, about a decade or so, and there's enough space for our dog and we're trying for a baby. There's lots on the go here. Amy is the love of my life and every day I come home to her is a blessing. And I want so terribly for the story to be done here. But the truth is that these last few weeks have got me thinking we're not out of the water. Not as far out as we would have liked to be, at least. Rex, our dog, is avoiding rooms as of late. He gets scruffy and growly at dark corners, and honestly, I was willing to overlook all of that. I mean, Rex is a little bit reactive, so if he hears something outside that I don't, it's very likely he will try to bark at it or growl at it. But a few days ago, I was sitting with Amy and having dinner, and she took a long sip of wine and then told me that she's been hearing her name being called. Anywhere and everywhere. In the shower, while sleeping, while taking out the dog, while cleaning, time of day didn't matter, she would just hear it called out. What's worse is it was always called out in her own voice. She said sometimes her hair gets pulled while she's in the bathroom. And while it only happened a handful of times, she's starting to get scared again. We can't move anymore. Our money, our parents' money, our wedding gifts all went into buying this place. I have nothing left. We have nothing left. I don't want this thing to keep hurting Amy. I want it to leave. I want to have a normal life with my love and have a happy family. And I don't know what else to do to get there. If anyone listening knows anything, please let me know. I'm willing to hear you out. Thank you, Paolo. Thank you so much, Paolo, for bravely sharing your incredible experiences. Your journey from the excitement of moving into what seemed like a promising home to the escalating disturbances is truly unsettling 
and on a personal note, heartbreaking. The manifestations of this malevolent entity took a toll on all aspects of your life, from personal relationships to the sanctity of your home. It's disheartening to hear that the peace you fought so hard to regain seems to be slipping away. I can only imagine the anxiety and frustration you must be experiencing. While I may not have definitive answers, I offer compassion and love. Remember, you're not alone in this journey. And I sincerely hope that you find the answers and resolution you seek. I wish you strength, courage, and the support needed to reclaim the peace you deserve. If you have advice for Paolo, or a story of your own, don't hesitate to submit it to spectralsojourns at gmail.com or get in touch with us on our Instagram or Facebook at Spectral Sojourns. Now as we bid you farewell, dear travelers, let tonight's tale be a reminder that the boundary between horror and reality is but a fragile thread, ready and willing to unravel. Tread softly as you emerge from the abyss, and may the whispers of this spectral sojourn haunt your dreams till next we meet. Sleep well, if you can. <laughs> <laughs>